Hey everybody, this is Ruben, and you're listening to Amazing Stories. What is this strange companionship about two men contemplating a corpse? Well, death is no longer a shock. It is affirmation. My own existence is dwindling. I stand without expectation like an old man watching the trains go by. None will stop for me, but I watch all the same. Remember old journeys. Perhaps I shouldn't have inquired. I understand, sir. I'm sorry, Superintendent. I just wondered, sir, if you knew him personally. We weren't told, you see, just exactly what your interest is. He was somebody I worked with. I see, sir. Well, photographer's done his bit. Doctor certified life extinct. Pathologist inspected in situ prior to full post-mortem. The wish is, from authority, that this area of the heath won't be closed too long. I'm sure I won't detain you many more minutes. You see there's some loose change scattered about. How much, Pike? Uh, we counted 72 pence so far, sir, and a uh, penknife. Most likely they started to search him, gave up, interrupted, perhaps. Yes, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, Fit-looking for the age he seems to be. Broad shoulders. Strong hands, those. Still clutching his stick. Yes, he was a strong man. He battled and endured. Is that so? Shall we go to the van, sir? We have his pocket contents up there. May I take a look at his face? Ah. Uh, no, uh, you, uh, you're sure about that, sir? I'm sure. Constable Pike, come here and lend a hand. Yes, sir. Right, are you ready? Ready, sir. Firm but gentle now. Now. <clears throat> oh, Christ. Oh, bloody hell. <clears throat> Into the trees, fast. I can't stop you sicking up, lad, but I will not have blasphemous language. <coughs> you wouldn't happen to know, sir, what did that. I haven't seen a wound like in 15 years. I'm afraid ballistics are not my province. People expect to be shot in the chest, don't they? Neat round bullet makes a neat round hole. It's a telly that does it. But your real bullet these days take off an arm or a leg. Did he have a moustache at all, sir? My sergeant fancied a trace of white whisker on the upper jaw. A military one. Ah. Might I examine the contents of his pockets now? Of course, sir. This way, the van's just up the hill there. One scuffed leather coin case, left side jacket pocket, half in, half out. Did he carry a wallet, sir? I'm sorry, I don't know. Uh, one theory is they helped themselves to it, were searching for more, then ran. Uh, one bunch of keys, domestic and various, right-hand trousers. Paddington Borough Library card, name of V. Miller. Aliens registration card, name of Vladimir Miller. One bottle of tablets, overcoat left. Brand, uh, Sustag, whatever that is. It's hot. Ah. Box of Swanvestas matches, partly used, overcoat left. One receipt from the straight and steady minicab service. Driver's uh, signature. Uh, J. Lamb. And this stick of yellow chalk, unbroken. Narrow end with a smear of brown as if by a single stroke, overcoat left. And that's also. No cigarettes. None found. 
He had matches, but no cigarettes. Well, they might have nabbed them too before they made a runner. Yes, of course. Thank you, Superintendent. You've been very kind. Privilege. Uh, if you don't mind me saying, sir. Yes? It's a thing that happens sometimes, even to an old workhorse like me. You put your hand to your face and it's sopping wet. With me, it's usually the kids. Child battering, infant rape. And you wonder what the hell our good Lord bothered to die for. I meant what I said. Privilege, sir. I'll be telling my grandchildren about you. Oh, good heavens. Oh, of course, I'll keep it to myself for a good few years, rely on that. And I'll be parsimonious with detail. Maybe you'd best be off now, sir. Wouldn't be surprised if there's press here soon. Yes. Thank you again, Superintendent. Good night. Uh, good morning, Mr Smiley. That's right, sir. An extinct case of purely historic concern. Historical. Oliver Lakin proposes to have that word for word in the D notice for the press. Historical, Strickland, not historic. The word is historical, sir. Historic, eh, George? That's the last thing we need. Yes, he is, sir. I, I will, of course. Uh, sir Saul passes on his warmest personal greetings, George. In a quieter moment, he'll express his gratitude more fully. Gratitude for what? Why am I here, Oliver? Oh, don't look so worried, George. We're all in the clear on this. I'm not worried. But here we have Stolich, Naya, vodka, black bread, salted herring, Russian cigarettes. Vladimir would have smoked them all if he'd got here. He had none on him. He had the matches, but no cigarettes, which I thought rather curious. A somewhat doddering old man goes out without cigarettes. Why is that curious? You are in a safe house, and you're expecting our agent, Vladimir. Ex-agent. I, too, am an ex-agent. And yet here I am. I'd like to know why. Uh, will you have tea, Mr Smiley, or something stronger? He'll have tea, thank you, Marston. Aftershock, tea is a deal safer. With sugar, right, George? Sugar replaces energy. How's Anne? With you and so forth, I trust? Not roaming? She's fine, thank you. And how is, um... Val. Abandoned me, damn it. Ran off with her riding instructor. Left me with the children. Farmed out to boarding schools, thank heavens. I'm sorry. Why should you be? Not your wife, mine, God help me. In matters of love, it's every man for himself. Oliver, you said on the phone I was needed. How can you need me? I, too, am almost extinct and possibly not even of historical interest. Nonsense, George. Where to begin? Three years ago... When I left the circus. Yes, and your successor, your worthy successor, Sir Saul Enderby under pressure from a concerned cabinet, decided on far-reaching changes in intelligence practice. Oliver. I'm giving you background, George. You usually approve of background. Ah, young Mostyn. Yes, sir? I expect you to close your ears to all this. I'm talking high, high policy. And no whisper secrets to those little tarts in registry. I'll know. Hear me? I hear you, Mr Strickland. Uh, milk or lemon, sir? The lemon was for him. Uh, milk, please. What section are you in, Mostyn? Uh, St. Jorde, sir. Uh, a sort of operational pool. Mainly probationers waiting for overseas postings. Oddbins, we call it. I heard you lecture at the nursery at Sarat, sir. Agent handling in the field. It was the best thing of the whole two years. Thank you. Enough of oddbins and nurseries. Where was I? You were talking high, high policy, which was doing nothing to explain my presence here. Bear with me. 
One of Saul Enderby's far-reaching changes was the formation of an interministerial committee, a steering committee, part Westminster, part Whitehall, known as the Wise Men. Wise my backside. The committee is a channel, a filter, a break. Tell us how to run the shop, a bunch of left-wing flannel merchants. Vigilance and accountability, they call it, in the interest of more open government. <laughs> open government, George, I ask you. And they came up with, uh, what did they call it, a catalogue of prescribed practices? No coat trailing, no honey traps, no pretend affections, no turning and playing back the opposition spies. Can you believe that one? No double agents, George. Rule them out, and we might as well pick up the jerseys and go in for a tea. And no working with exile groups. What? Exile or emigrate groups, including Vladimir's death or glory bunch. Dustbin. Any contact with groups like Vladimir's is ruled provocative, anti-detente, and an expensive indulgence. What a nonsense. For one thing, Vladimir was not expensive. He loathed taking our money. But he took it. Because we forced it on him. Otherwise, he'd have starved. You know as well as I do, Oliver, what Vladimir was worth. It's true, George. I admired the man, but never his group. The fantasists, the down-at-heeled princelings. And the Moscow agents who infiltrated that lot easy as eating pie. Vladimir is one of the best agents we ever had. Since you're talking background, Oliver, let me give you Vladimir's. I think we know it all. Then try to understand it. Vladimir's father was an Estonian and a passionate Bolshevik. Stalin rewarded him by murdering him in the purges. Vladimir, despite what had been done to his father, still wanted to believe, longed to believe in equality, peace, freedom, in socialism. He joined the Red Army, fought like a lion. He battled and endured. Perhaps you might have something stronger than tea. The war promoted him. When it was over, he waited, worked and waited for the great Russian liberalisation he'd dreamed of and thought he was fighting for, and he waited for the freeing of his own Estonian people. Instead, he saw the ruthless repression of his homeland, scores of thousands of his countrymen sent to the camps. One night, in despair, in Moscow, he offered us his services, us, the British. And for three years, he spied for us. From the very heart of Moscow. And our George Ranham. Yes, I did. And during those years, Vladimir was the best source I had on Soviet capabilities and intentions at the height of the Cold War. Until one day on a visit to Paris, he jumped. And thank God he did, because otherwise he'd have been shot a lot sooner than he has been. How sooner? What do you mean? He means in those days the circus was being run by a Moscow centre agent. The devil himself. It was sheer luck Bill Hayden was stationed abroad during those years. Another three months less, and he'd have liquidated Vladimir. Bill Hayden this, Bill Hayden that. Just because you had that extra involvement. Strickland. Hayden's dead, damn it. So that whole era, historic. Or is it historic? George, we are pragmatists. We adapt. We are not keepers of some sacred flame. Let me go on, Oliver. I'm not often long. Let me go on. Uh, oh, my dear fellow, take as long as you like. When Vladimir came over, all right, he was a declining asset. Like a bust balloon. Lorda, please. All ex-agents do decline, and all right... The Baltic independence group he formed in Paris contained some dubious members, and they too declined. Lost causes always do. We moved Vladimir to London before the French arrested him or sent him back to Russia. Not to keep a sacred flame, Oliver. To fulfil our duty. And now he's lying on hamster teeth with a hole in his face. Of what? I ask again, why am I here? Coffee. I really must have some, and of the strongest. See to it, Marston. And then you may tell Mr Smiley all about your encounter with Vladimir. Very good, sir. That boy encountered Vladimir. 
Well, you could be stronger still, Martin. Sorry, sir. No, never mind. Uh, well, tell your story. Uh, Vladimir telephoned the circus at lunchtime today. Yesterday, Martin, be precise. Sorry, Mr. Smiley. I've been up all night. So have we all. Now, get it right. Uh, yesterday, lunchtime, 1.15, Vladimir phoned the circus. I was duty officer. I took the call. He used the lifeline. Lifeline? It's the system we use for keeping in touch with dead agents. Oh, my Lord. I'm sorry, Mr. Smiley. It's all right. You mean agents who've run their course but are still on the welfare roll. So, the phone rang at 1.15. Exactly, 1.15. And this foreign voice said hello. Well, get on with it. I said hello back. He said, this is Gregory calling for Max. I have something very urgent for Max. He wouldn't give me a number to call him back. Said he'd plenty of change. So I typed out Gregory, and up it came on the selector, Vladimir, ex-agent, ex-Soviet general. Then I typed out Max. And you found me? Yes, sir. Max equals Smiley. You were what we call his vicar, and his postman, his nuts and bolts man, was Toby Esterhazy. But he didn't ask for Esterhazy. He insisted on Max, sir. It was you or nobody. I assume you made notes of all this? We don't have to. The lifeline is taped automatically. Well, there wasn't much I could do right then. My section head was out for lunch. So I asked Vladimir to call back at 2.30. The trouble was, my section head didn't get back till 3.15, so when Vladimir did call back, on the dot, I had to put him off again. He would have been furious. He was. He said, find Max. Just find me, Max. Tell him I've been in touch with friends and through them with neighbours. Neighbours? I checked his file. Neighbours met Soviet intelligence. Boston cut along one short. Yes, the essence. In a crisis, go first for the essentials. My section head said it was probably what he called a bromide job. Old spy looking for money or a drink or just some company. When Vladimir called a third time, we arranged a meeting. It was to happen here. What were the contact procedures? You were to pick him up, bring him here? There's a pavilion on Hampstead Heath, a ten minutes walk from here. I was to leave a safety signal. A new drawing pin stuck high up on a wooden support. The counter signal was to be... A yellow chalk line. That was Vladimir's group's trademark in the old days. Moscow rules. That's what he said. He insisted on Moscow rules. Tell this to Max. The... Tell me what? That it must be Moscow rules. What about how the Moscow rules in Bloody Hampstead? Bloody Hampstead is right. Go on, Mostyn. So the signal and the counter signal said all was well. Uh, he would proceed to the meeting place, here. But he never arrived. I waited two hours. Then Mr. Strickland phoned, told me to sit tight until further orders. My first agent, and I never even met him. My first agent, and he's dead. The Heath Patrol found the body, cordoned off the area. And Scotland Yard have a computer these days, George. They fed in the name, and up came a light or a lot of digits or whatever. They knew then he was on our watch list. The commissioner phoned the Home Office, the Home Office phoned the circus. And you phoned me. Now, listen, George, I can go to the wise men and say with my hand on my heart that we have made no contact at all for well over a year with this ex-agent or anyone else in his group, this notorious emigre outfit. A deluded hangover from the worst days of the Cold War. They are the archetype of everything we've been told to avoid and do avoid. Their leaders, case officers, have left the stage for good. Yourself and Toby Esterhazy, both off the books. Vladimir was a circus agent and he was trying to tell us something. He mentioned Soviet intelligence. Well, a lot of them do when they're holding out their hats for some rubles. Oh, not Vladimir. 
And what about the weapon? The weapon? He was shot by one of his own, I don't doubt, giving her off at each other's throats. Not to mention old Vlad's liking for other men's wives. He was shot in the face at extremely close range with a soft-nosed bullet. The weapon was a standard Moscow centre assassination device. It is used to obliterate, to punish and to discourage others. There used to be one on display at Sarat in the Black Museum next to the bar. It's still there. Horrible. George, most of these emigre people come from Russia. A device like that, well, among that sort, they might be as common as cheese graters. There's cleaning up to be done. Male, milk, friends. Whatever such people leave behind. These are his keys. The police have promised you a head start. You were his vicar, George. I'm asking you to go and read the last rites. He wanted you, George. No one but you. May I give you his keys? On terms. What terms? You are a private citizen. You are of the past, not the present. You will pour oil on the waters, not muddy them. <coughs> Laura Strickland? On those terms, may I give you the keys? Oliver, you're wanted here. It's about the D notice for the press. Uh, tell them to hold on a moment. George? Uh, hold on a bit. Good man. And we must get together and talk about marriage. I'm counting on you to explain the art of it. Mostyn, show Mr. Smiley out. I've lost count of the phones I've held to my ears tonight. Lagan here. Well, why my signature? Why not the Chief's? Have you any notion of the night I've had? Thank you, Mostyn. And don't forget your gloves, sir. No. What else did Vladimir say to you? Tell me quietly. It concerns the Sandman. Tell Max, no one but Max. I have two proofs and can bring them with me. He said it twice. The Sandman and two proofs. Well, this is on the tape? That's correct. It was. But the tape's been erased. You know what it means? The Sandman? No, sir. And Vladimir did not ask for Esther, has he? No, sir. Only Max. Yeah. It had to be you, Mr. Smiley. Yes. Do you think, George, that since gulls are taking to the city, pigeons will take to the sea? Don't stop. Pretend you can't hear me and carry on. Try another one. Although, of course, I know you can hear me. When my George is in fear or dread or simply bored for too long... His Anne speaks and she knows he can hear her. Just as she knows that when you rolled over to take Lakin's call a few hours ago, you rolled onto her side of the bed. Empty and cold. What an interesting blend of aromas. Curry and cheap lard and soiled nappies. The smells of too many people and too little money. You really could have done better by Vladimir. Did you see the filth on the pavements outside? The ragged washing trailing from the balconies? Maybe if you treated him better, he'd still be alive. The neglected are very easily killed. It's about the Sandman, he said. Remember when you first brought the old boy over? He said, it'll be Moscow all over again. You and me, Max. Maybe we'll even get a chance at the Sandman. And we know who the Sandman is. Don't we, George? Good morning. Are you a burglar, dearie? Uh, I, I'm afraid not. Nothing so interesting. You've got an interesting face. I like the tie. Thank you. I, I'm just a visitor for Mr Miller. Oh, now there's a charmer. 
And it's nice to be fancied, isn't it? It is indeed. <laughs> Bye, love. My, oh my, I've gone five minutes and the fanciers are all over you. Why didn't whoever killed Vladimir steal his keys? Because they didn't need them. They already had their own set? You're struggling a bit, my love. Those poor old knees of yours. Not far to go. Did you notice through the landing window those two men outside? By the chestnut tree? Well, of course you notice. It's your job to notice. They weren't there when you arrived. A team would do that. A team would post lookouts while others went inside. Whose team? Moscow's? The circuses? The police? The Sandman's? Here we are. Mr Vladimir Miller. Translations. Vladimir, are you in there? It's Max. That's how it's done. Nothing furtive. You're just an old friend calling. Now, in you go. Feeling a bit dizzy, George. You're holding your breath. Let it out. Now take a deep breath. Hold. Expecting a bash on the back of the head, were you? Now let it out and breathe evenly. Vladimir, oh. what a meagre little place you put you in. Oh. I said we could try to get you something a wee bit grander, but you just looked out of that window and said this would do. You looked out of that dark forest of chimney pots and slate roofs and gables. At that Moscow of chimneys. Tears running down your cheeks. Did you know even then you'd never again live under a Russian sky? Well, we'd best begin, old friend. The familiar death rites for a departed spy. Yes, good place to start your Estonian Bible. Probe it for cut cavities, then dangle it upside down for photographs or scraps of paper. How often did you treat a book this way? Now the bedside lock a drawer. What have we here? A bottle of patent pills to rejuvenate the sexually jaded. One does wonder how you and your paramours, and there were many, managed on such a tiny bed. And three Red Army medals for gallantry. So much for careful cover, General. Try the bedside lamp. Not working. Out with the bulb. Poke under the base. Oh, just a dead bulb. <laughs> Calmly now. More of those city seagulls, that's all. Shall we close the window? Two men by the chestnut tree, they're gone. Are they on their way up here? I'm sure you're familiar with this delusion, Vladimir, how one tells oneself you've lived a long life and one with purpose and this is as good a moment as any for it to end. And you don't believe it for a moment. Here's your telephone bill. £78. That's a bit high for your frugal life, is it not? I'll have it checked out. I'm sure you wouldn't mind. What I'd really like to find, of course, is an address book or a diary. 
Old spies, even the best of them, like you, are like old lovers. As age creeps up on them, they begin to cheat. Lovers fear the loss of virility, spies fear the loss of memory. They pretend to have it all in their heads, but in secret they begin to write it down. And nothing is holy, names, addresses, routines, phone numbers, even safe combinations, often in a homemade code that can be unbuttoned in a minute by anyone who knows the game. Were you that careless? I hope you were. And this, I suppose, is what you called your kitchen. A windowsill with a gas ring on it. We men who live alone, anywhere else in the house, even in bed with a book, we can deceive ourselves that solitude is best, but in the kitchen, well, here our incompleteness is laid bare. Half of one black loaf, half of one coarse sausage, half an onion and half a pint of milk. Oh, now what's this? A whole carton of cigarettes, galois, caporal, your favourites, were they not, when you couldn't get Russian? Nine whole packets, only one missing. And you've no cigarettes in your pockets. There are three stubs in the ashtray there, and nine whole packets here, one missing, and no cigarettes in your pockets. Your last conundrum, bloody. You had two proofs and you could bring them with you. They didn't steal your keys and they didn't search your flat because, because they knew you had what they were after with you. Suppose they didn't run off when they were disturbed. They left because they had found what they were looking for. And it concerned the sad man. Good morning. Morning. If you have anything for flat 6B Miller, I can save you the climb. Oh, you're a gentleman. There is something, yes. Postmark Paris. Lucky lady, is it? Well, she considers herself lucky. <laughs> Good for you, sir. Goodbye. Thank you. Thank you. That is a woman's hand. General... I do not wish to be dramatic, but some men are watching my house and I do not think they're your friends or mine. This morning I had an impression that they planned to kill me. Will you not send me your magic friend once more? Magic friend. We all wish we had one of those, don't we, George? She thinks she's going to die and so do we all, and we're right. Where to, Gov? Are you mulling it over? Chelsea. Chelsea it is. Bywater Street. That's right. Go home, have a bath. Think it all through calmly, then sleep it off. The waters have to be stilled, not muddied. And for goodness sake, shave. No. No what? Oh, uh, do forgive me, it's been a long day. It's early yet. So it is. Take me to Hampstead Heath, please. Already, no police, no cordoned off area, no journalists or curious bystanders. No Vladimir. As soon as I left the scene, did you clamber merrily to your feet and wipe off the gruesome makeup, go skipping away with your stick in hand? No, Vladimir. You are very dead. A godsend, the superintendent said, those rubber overshoes of yours, diamond patterned soles, and barely walked on. We could have followed you through a football crowd, Vladimir. Right 
he shone his torch on the wet gravel. Here he is, sir, coming down the hill. Nice heel and toe movement, normal pace. You see him, sir? And I did. The torchlight on your footprints and stick marks. And here they are still in daylight. And your stick, normal pace, in your normal right hand. And yet when you were shot... The stick was in his left hand. I notice you noticed that. Now look here, sir. He stops. Just briefly. See the position of the feet, the half turn? Looked over his shoulder, I'd say. You heard something behind you. And off he goes. Wider stride, going for all his worth. He was hardly touching the ground. The trouble was... Whoever killed you was ahead of you, waiting. They were ahead and they were behind. They drove you. Still running. Pace gets a little longer because of the steeper gradient. Walking stick still in the right hand. And now... Explain that, sir, if you can. Patch of footprints. Five, six, eight. You stopped again. Why? Why stop here and do some kind of duck shuffle dance? And when he moves off again... The stick's in your left hand. And 30 yards on, he's dead. Now, if I place my feet on these prints of yours, try to imitate the movements you might have made, we must have anyone passing will just think I've taken up that new fad for Chinese exercise. So... When the right foot comes round like this, it's pointing at that spinny of trees, and the right shoulder follows. And you transferred your stick from right hand to left to leave the right hand free. What for? The trees over there, this curve in the avenue, yes. The avenue comes down to this spot, then it rises again, and it also curves. The line of sight in both directions is masked by trees, and you use this avenue often, Vladimir. You knew this spot, you chose it. This blind spot. You had two proofs and you brought them with you. You had a box of swan vestas, the smoker's match. But no cigarettes. Moscow rules. If you physically carry a proof, you must also carry the means to discard it. Something that when jettisoned is inconspicuous. Like a packet of Gaulois Caporal cigarettes. You stopped for a moment, reached into your pocket, took out the cigarettes and then ran on. To be killed, having first thrown the cigarettes into the trees. Is that what happened, Vladimir? Did you know, Vladimir? Did you know I'd follow those footprints of yours, find the blind spot, dance your little dance, and be scrabbling and groping here in wet grass and rubbish with my trousers soaked from the knees down? And that ominous ache in the small of my back. Here's another kite. That's three I found. Didn't know boys still flew and lost so many. An old running shoe. My seventh beer bottle. Scraps of female bodies. Some in colour, some in black and white. My fourth Coca-Cola tin. How many cigarette packets? Eleven, I think. But all too sodden and old to be yours. Excuse me, sir. Hello? Are you needing assistance, sir? No, no, no I'm, I'm quite all right, thank you. Another beer bottle. Shreds of a burnt blanket. I'm glad to be assistant, sir. Very kind, but I, I do assure you... Is it you... precious, what you have lost? Well, in a small way, I'm sure I can find it. A chocolate box lid. Black magic. Gideon's Bible, Lord. I will wait until it is found, sir. Thank you again, but, um... Ah, no, I found it. Excellent, sir. A packet of Gaulois Cabaret. New and almost dry. Go in peace. Oh, the same to you, of course. Goodbye. 
cigarettes left, Vladimir. Maybe when they're properly dry, I'll smoke them for you. And behind them, protected by its skin of cellophane, one of your proofs. A photographic negative. I have one proof. They have the other. I share your legacy with your killers. So for God's sake, mourn. If you don't grieve for the dead, how can you love the living? Oh, and I know your answer in your own composed, infuriating way. You mourn sincerely, for Vladimir, deeply. But I doubt even God would recognise it. And yes, loving the living, as you once said, is a bit of a problem. Straight and steady minicab. Name, when and where from and to, please. Um, I'd like to speak to Mr J Lamb, one of your drivers. Sorry, no personal calls on this line. It's not a personal call. I want Mr Lamb to drive for me. We have many qualified drivers, sir, all well-mannered. I'm sorry, but only Mr Lamb will do. It's a long journey, Stratford-upon-Avon. Name, when and where from, please. Stratford, eh? Actually, no. Would you please switch off the engine? What for? I'm a private detective and I know we're a nuisance, but this is a ten-pound note. Well, then? You signed a receipt yesterday for £13. Do you remember who that fare was? Ah, uh, tall party. Foreign. White moustache. A limp and a walking stick. And where did you take him, please? I picked him up on Parade Street. Took him to Charlton. Near St. Somebody's Church off Battle of the Nile Street. Row of seven new bills. Pub on a corner. Defeated frog. For Frenchie. Did you leave him there? One hour wait, then back to Parade Street. Did you make any other stops? Toy shop on the way to Charlton. Foreign party bought a wooden duck. Yellow job of wheels. Thank you. You can tell your firm I didn't turn up. I'll tell him anything I bloody like. Stella? Willem? It's me, Max. Willem, are you here? Hello, Stella. You lot just walk right in now, do you? I did knock, front and back. Did you not hear me? I heard. And I heard you shouting in the hall. Becky's upstairs asleep. I don't want to wake her. I'm sure I didn't shout. I need to talk to Willem. His name's William. Get that straight. William Craven. British to the core. Not Estonian, not Russian. British. With a British wife and a British child. I need to talk to him, Stella. He's not here. He's at work. His lorry is parked outside. He was needed at the depot. They sent a car for him. I came in through the kitchen. I know you did. Walked right in. There's a warm teapot on a tray and two cups. I really do have to talk to William about Vladimir. I know what it's about. They've been calling all night. Where's Vladimir? Where's the general? William hasn't had sound or sight of Vladimir for God knows how long. William is out of it, Max. But still, we get calls at three in the morning while Becky's cutting a tooth. Calls from whom? Who do you think? Mikhail. Prime Minister-designate of Estonia and betting tout. Three in the morning. Where's Flatty? Where is our leader? Doing his heavy breathing bit. I told him, you're a nutcase. You think it's harder to tap a phone if you whisper? They're fantasy men. How should I know where their great leader is? How should William know? My husband's not political. He's not a fantasy man. And has got over his dad being a martyr. Why was Michael so worried? All I know... Is Vladimir owed him money and he'd promised to take it to Mikkel's place last night and have a game of chess. In the middle of the night, of course, they're insomniacs, as 
Well, as patriots and daydreamers. And you'd nothing to tell him? I told him, Vladdy's not here. We haven't seen him since Becky's christening. William's just back from Hamburg and needs his sleep, so piss off. That's what I told him. Where are you going? William, it's Max. He's not here. I have to talk to you. If you wait, Becky... I promise I'll go and leave you in peace. Please, William. I am sorry about this, So you should be. Vladimir drove out yesterday by taxi. No doubt to see William. We haven't seen the man, Max. On his way, he bought a toy for his godchild. The same toy is lying in your back garden now. Do you know, Max? Where Vladdy is? Hello, William. You told me you bought that bloody duck yourself. Maybe we should make a fresh pot of tea. Vladdy is old man, Stella. And the godfather, who knows when he sees his Becky again? He is friend of family. Not this family, not anymore. He was friend of my father. Comrade, they fight Bolshevism together. You drive lorries, William. You don't fight Bolshevism. He, he brings his godchild a toy. Why not? Why not, Max? And now he's disappeared. So he didn't get home last night. Maybe he finds a woman for once. Old man and lonely. He can't do much with her, but he likes her company. Why not? This he was pretty famous. We rather think it's more serious than that. How serious? Before yesterday, when did you last see Vladimir? What is serious, man? Please tell me, William, when before yesterday? Monday. Oh, William. Sorry, Stella, but if Max says... You know where he is, Max? Was he here on Monday as well? No, he found a depot. I pick him up at the call box. Ride with me, talk. So this was nothing to do with Becky or family friends. This was about his crazy business. Max, please, I want you to go. Just walk out of here and never come back. Stella, William, I'm afraid Vladimir is gone for good. He's been shot dead. The police will want to ask you questions. I'm here to tell you how to answer them. I love that man. I know you did, William. Many people did, which is why we have to try to find out what happened to him. Please, William. Can you tell me what Vladimir said when he phoned you when he rode in the lorry with you? He uh, talked about a small favour. For the sake of the group. The group my father was such a hero with. I said, Vladi, a favour like that, I promise to Stella, is impossible. It is for Becky, he said. What we do is for Becky's future. And uh, he, he bring out yellow envelope, you know, uh, Kodak envelope. It was all snaps of Becky at the christening. And he uh, gave me oranges. Oranges? He had a basket of oranges, a couple of pounds of them. He says, all I have to do is take oranges to Hamburg. I'm driving there anyway. In Hamburg, I'm to go onto a ferry with the oranges. I, I put envelope with the Becky snaps on top of oranges and leave it on a bench at back. 
I walk to front, slow, and when I return, there is a mark of yellow uh, chalk besides the basket. And that tells me everything has been taken care of. What's been taken care of? I don't know, something taken out of basket, something put in, I don't know, but I, I do it anyway. These people and their fantasy games. If whatever it was was small enough for a Kodak envelope, it was small enough to post. Too precious, I suppose. And he said something about Moscow rules. Moscow? What's Moscow got to do with it's it? It's merely a name for a way of working. So I do it his way of working, and then I come home. And yesterday you gave the Kodak envelope back to Vladimir. He looked at negatives, Max. Not prints, only negatives. Held them up to light. And he found one, one he looked at for a long time. And he looked at me. Old, old eyes, but so bright. Max is so bright and maybe a tear in them. He said, I had done great thing. I was soldier. You, Max, would see, photograph, and believe, and be proud. Are you proud, Max? This, this photograph would repay many debts. Great damage to Bolshevik enemy. It was a proof. So it all went smoothly, and just as said it would. You never once sensed anything wrong. Not, not wrong. But something. A little man. He was there on ferry when I came back to fetch oranges. He stood by rail. And he looks at me. He was desperate. His face, his eyes, they, they seem to say, God, this was your life, boy. God, it with your soul. It was a funny little man, sexy and funny way, little horns of hair sticking up uh, at his brow. Comical at most times, I thought, but a clown or one of those crazy magicians that make you laugh at their tricks. But, but this wasn't most times. That look. Stella, if there was another war, if I had to go away and fight, I had to give Becky to a stranger to look after. That is how I would look at the stranger. Don't come back, Max. This time, never come back. Has anyone else called apart from Micha? No, only the Estonian hero. Not even a wrong number, a ring, and when you answered, hung up? No. Has anyone come to the door, salesman, canvasser, evangelist, anyone? No, and you're as out of date as Mikhail. You all are. Whatever the game is, it's way past time it stopped. Be quiet and listen. The police... What about them? He did nothing if wrong. If they turn up, Vladimir came here yesterday with a present for Becky. That is all. Tell them nothing else. Keep it simple. Make sure William understands that. I'll make sure he understands. Have you been here? If they ask about me, yes. I came here today to give you the bad news. Simple. Nothing else, Stella. It could have been anyone killed the old man. One of his own, I wouldn't be surprised. Or one of his women. One of their husbands. You may be right, and we may never know. Just keep everything simple and keep William quiet. Yes. Max, are you still there, Max? Just saying goodbye to Stella. It was Moscow, Max. Soviets. William! It was Soviets who killed him. Shut up, William! One more thing, Max. Yes? Michael, you'll be seeing Michael? Perhaps. I said to Vladi, he has Michael in this. He's my friend, he said. But even friends we cannot trust. Enemies I do not fear. Friends, I fear very much.
said this about Mikael. Oh. He loved you, Max. You were the best, he said. You were his example, his inspiration. He said this often, Max. That is an honor, Michal. Oh, like this, I held him off and had him me in triumph, in sorrow, but never despair. I am so sorry. Oh, we all are inconsolable, but we are soldiers. Come in, Max, come in. I've waited all day for you, hoping, not daring to expect. And here you are. The library you see is deserted, Max. No one reads, no one plays chess, no one talks of our history and our future. It is often like this, but the group is alive still, Max, and still the Bolsheviks' enemies. Our history makes that imperative. Our future will see our victory. I know that. Vladimir knew that. Who do you think did it, Michael? You know who did it, Max. To the Bolsheviks, we are anathema. They destroy us where they can. But why now? They could have killed him years ago. They are as patient as they are merciless. Unless Vladimir was up to something. Unless he provoked them in some way. Who can tell? Can you not tell you were his right hand for 20 years or more? Our leader was a secretive man. He had to be. It was a military necessity. Let's imagine he was up to something. Might he have been betrayed? Betrayed? By someone in the group? Not impossible. Maybe not, but for me, unimaginable. He was loved, Max, you know that. By me, by Elvira, by you too, I think. By everyone. As much as he was honored, he was loved. To my wife, he was teacher and mentor. Elvira loved him very much. She truly is inconsolable. She won't leave her room. The door is locked. Oh, forgive me, Max, I ramble. I've not slept. There has been vodka. He was up to something, wasn't he? Tell me, Michael, how did it begin? Oh, some months ago, perhaps two, he received a letter here at the library. It began then, I think. And who was the letter from? It was from Paris. It was long. Many pages. Addressed to General Vladimir, most personal. He sat where you are now and opened it quite carelessly, no anticipation. Then I saw him become as a stone, fixed. I spoke to him. He didn't answer. I spoke again. He ignored me again. Then he said he was going for a walk and would return. He took the letter with him? Of course. It was his way. When he had the great matter to consider, he would go for a walk alone. So you knew this was a great matter? He came back an hour later. Mikhail, he said, put paper in the photocopier. How many sheets? Seven. One copy only. You copied the Paris letter for him? No. He did it himself, under my instruction. Uh, I don't understand. Uh, the general was not mechanical. I set up the machine for him, then he insisted I stand five paces away from it. I was to call out instructions to him, which button to push and when. Then he folded all the pages, original and copy, and put them in his pocket. He said, Mikhail, my friend, I cannot involve you in this matter. He wanted to shield me, to spare me dangerous knowledge. Me, who has carried secrets for decades that would scold the soul of most men. So, you never saw the letter. Can you tell me which district in Paris? The 15th. 
where many of the people used to live. What colour was the envelope? Brown. Was the ink blue? I suppose so. And it was handwritten? Yes. A woman's hand, do you think? I'm sorry, Max, I could not say. I'm not a, uh, what is the word? Nephologist? Or some kind of gypsy. I saw nothing of the letter, Max, and I didn't see Vladimir again until 12 days ago. Free oh. Baltic Library. Oh, yes. Uh, Yellow Devil. You're confident. Odds? All right, put me five each way. I think no more tea. But one more vodka. Then maybe I can't sleep. Yo, will you have one, Max? No, thank you. Uh, you too, I think, have not slept. You must try to do so soon. Yes, I must. Twelve days ago, Vladimir came here again. Did he mention the letter? I've told you, Max. I know nothing more about the letter. He came to borrow money, 50 pounds. He had business to attend to, and he could not conduct his business in a dirty shirt. <laughs> I knew, we both knew, this was not money for clean clothes. It was operational expenses. I said as much. There is an operation, General. You're making a conspiracy. Tell me what it is. Let me help. He touched my shoulder, like this. <laughs> Gave me his solemn gaze and shook his head. You know what I said then, Max? What did you say? I said... If this is a conspiracy, take it to Max. You know what the general said? Tell me. Max is a good man, but he does not believe in our struggle anymore. Maybe even he wishes we would end our struggle. Is that true, Max? Of course not. The general said you would believe again when he'd landed his big fish. Then uh, he asked me for maps, city plans... Danzig, Hamburg, Lübeck, Helsinki. <laughs> and again, we both knew this was his secretive way, his Moscow rules. Several maps, but only one is relevant. You understand? I understand. <laughs> I think I may sleep for three days. <laughs> oh, not for you? No, thank you. This big fish... Uh, to life. <laughs> mm. To the general and to the struggle and... To life. <laughs> to life. Ah, I could sleep here in my chair, slide to the floor and not wake. No. I should sleep in my own bed. If I have to break down the door. You too must sleep, Max. We are none of us as young as we were. You were telling me about the big fish. He landed it. He told you this? When? In all his life, this was his most important mission... It reached far into our past. He's mine and yours. Now he would be going to Max, who would have to believe. And we would claim our expenses and much more reward and see a great triumph. When did he tell you this? Yesterday. Late afternoon. He was a delighted man, a triumphant man, a man who had opened many doors. Now he would go to Max. Then he would come here for vodka and chess and talk of victory. But of course there was no chess, no victory. He was shot first. Max, when he did not arrive here, I phoned the circus. An emergency, I said. You hung up on me. Why did you do that, Max? I was not on duty. Have you spoken to anyone else about this? No one. Not even Elvira through her keyhole. Keep it that way. 
trust no one, not even the police. The police must not know that Vladimir was doing anything operational when he died. It is important for security, yours as well as ours. Do you understand? Of course. Talk to no one. Trust no one. Those are the orders, Mikhail. Chelsea, please, by Water Street. Did he betray you, Vladimir? Well, comrade Mikhail. He knew you planned to see me. He would have known the path you would take across Hampstead Heath. But why? Because you'd embarked on the most important mission of your life and were leaving him behind in ignorance while you advanced towards glory. His wife, Avira, she loved you. You were her teacher and mentor. How well did she love you, General? Could your old bewitching voice have opened that door she's locked herself behind? <laughs> or is it simpler than that? He was bought. How long might he have belonged to them? Maybe he's been a double for years. I can imagine he's taking a pride in that. I've seen it in many double agents. Gentlemen, they say, in the twilight of their lives, I have served you both well. And they say it with pride. One of the maps you asked for was of Hamburg. You sent William there to bring back the first of your two proofs, this negative in my pocket now. And your other proof, Vladimir, where is it? Is it in that seven-page letter from the woman in Paris? Did they take it from your pocket when they... Good Lord, Vladdy, this is till the same day. Is there no end of it? No sleep? It was only this morning I looked down on your... The woman in Paris. If it is a woman. Of course it's a woman. You saw that handwriting, those words, through my gypsy eyes. Why do you talk to Vladimir? Why not talk to me? Are we so absolutely estranged, my love, even in your mind? Oh, my. You're so profoundly tired. Still, you have a taxi driver who keeps his mouth shut. That's a blessing. It concerns the Sandman, Vladimir said, and he had two proofs. The Sandman. We know why he's called that, don't we? Because anyone who gets too close to him soon falls asleep. And we know his other name, too. The man who has haunted and attracted and repelled you for so many years. The one you detest and admire and fear. Your enemy, your tempter, your black grail, second only to me in your deepest heart. Carla George. All this has to do with Carla. In episode one of Smiley's People, George Smiley was played by Simon Russell Beale. Oliver Lakin was played by Alex Jennings. Anne Smiley by Anna Chancellor. Michel by Nigel Anthony. Stella by Alison Pettit. William by Piers Wainer. Mostyn by David Seddon. And Lorda Strickland by David Bannerman. 
Other parts were played by Keeley Beresford, Joanna Munro and Michael Shelford. Smiley's People was dramatised for radio by Robert Forrest from the novel by John le Carre. The producer was Patrick Rayner. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to join us tomorrow for yet another amazing story.